2: It is rush hour, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in. I am Danny Burke, your host on this fine Thursday evening. We are live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook, per usual. And tonight, plenty of college football action, like it's pretty much been the last couple of weeks. But we've got a plethora of games on tonight's slate. Amal Shaw, fellow Beeson host, will be here in about ten minutes. Help us break it down. Furthermore, on the show, we've got the baseball slate to look forward to. I've tacked on another college football game as well, and at the end of the show, we'll kind of recap and summation some of my NFL best bets in regards to season win totals. We'll look at their first matchups of the year as well, kind of correlate that, and also, again, just recap everything I've delved into with college football as of this point. But let's dive right into it, because we do have a game kicking off momentarily, an exciting one at that. How about Boise State on the road against UCF? A couple new head coaches in the mix. Gus Malzahn going for UCF, and then Andy Avalos for Boise State, who serves as a D coordinator for his alma mater, Boise State. Uh, I think it was 2016 through 2018. Then he was with Oregon when they had a solid defense. But look, this line is now up to 6.5. In favor of UCF minus 240 on the money line plus 190 for the Broncos on the buyback with a total of 68 that opened at 71 and a half, so it's dipped down a little bit. Spread opened at four and it went up to about five five and a half. We had Jeff Parles on the show on Tuesday, and he's been kind of on Boise State even maybe a week prior. And I saw him tweet it out now, and he took six and a half with Boise State. He was liking him even at five, five and a half, and maybe sprinkle on the money line. And honestly, can't blame him too much. I mean, I know you got a new head coach in the mix, but you still have Hank Backmire, your quarterback, who's been really solid. I mean, he's accustomed to this team, he's comfortable. He was on the squad last year and had a prolific offense. And not only that, he's got good weapons all around. Okay, so expect the offense to still be solid for this Boise State team defensively, can they do enough to limit the Studley offense that is always presented with UCF? Well, they have nine starters returning defensively. But what could be kind of scary and could be the reason they lose is the lack of the strength in their secondary, especially against an offense that UCF presents. So if you have faith in this Boise State defense, because the offense should be able to provide enough, especially against this lackluster defense that is UCF that surrendered about 33 points per game last season, almost 500 yards per game. So again, if you think Boise State's defense can do enough, certainly would look toward the angle of taking the points with Boise State, especially since you're getting a better number now. But if you're into the thought process that, hey, maybe the number's moving for a reason, well, maybe it's because you trust Gus Malzahn a little bit more so, and he's inheriting an offense that averages about 568 total yards per game, along with 42 points per contest. And speaking of quarterback experience, you're getting Dylan Gabriel back in the mix. Threw for over 3,500 passing yards last season, 32 touchdowns with just four interceptions. Now, a reason maybe you could be seeing this total gravitating toward the under from 71 and a half to the opener at our down now to 68. Alzun may be implementing the run game a little bit more so, and and that's not really what you saw out of this UCF team last season, and that could be the difference this year. And Realistically, in this game, I think Boise State's strong enough up front to limit that for the most part. Again, I think this is going to come down for the passing game for UCF and what Boise State can do to limit it if they can force any turnovers. If they can win that battle, then certainly I think they can cover the 6.5 and even more. So like Jeff was saying, heck, I mean, if you have a little bit more conviction, plus 190 on the money line for Boise State wouldn't shock me. At the end of the day, I... I really don't have a clue who's going to win this game outright, but because of that, in my head, it's closer to being a pick so I would gravitate more to getting the points with Boise State. But at the same time, this could be a perfect example of an in-game betting situation, especially with the total, because we're expecting two high-powered offenses. We have to see whose defense is going to come more alive. We're probably assuming, for the most part, it's Boise State rather than UCF. So again, 68 as of this point. If it gets starting off slow, maybe look to jump in and bet the over. I would probably do that rather than I would see a higher scoring game and bet under because the offense just could be consistent. So if I'm looking for an in-game, it would be if there's a slow start and then jump in I'm betting the total over. And probably same goes for one team over the other. I think this is going to be a closer game even if one team jumps out ahead. So maybe look to taking a better spread or laying a closer one depending on what side you're leaning on. But I'm leaning toward Boise State taking the points. It would wait in pretty much every facet for the total, even though we are seeing it presented at about sixty eight. Once again, the show is rush hour. Welcome in. I am Danny Burke, your host. It is Veasan, the sports betting network. We are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook tonight. We've got plenty of college football action. Amal Shaw will be joining us momentarily. Was just handicapping this Boise State UCF matchup that's about to get underway. And Boise State now catching six and a hook plus one ninety on the money line, where we see UCF laying minus two forty and a total of 68 if anything I'd be doing in this game I'll reiterate it I would take the six and a half with Boise State and in game wise for the total if it gets off to a relatively slower start would probably look to jump on the total going over at some point point. 68 a little bit too high for my liking despite both of these teams having high powered offenses and we've seen the total of the opener at 71 and a half move down to 68 currently for this matchup. So should be a fun one to get things kicked off tonight. Another exciting game that we've been excited to looking forward to for so long really has been Ohio State and Minnesota. Uh, This game has it at 14 or so in favor of this Ohio State squad with Stroud as the new quarterback in the mix lane. Two touchdowns, tough matchup potentially in his first outing. We'll get to that game momentarily with Amal Shaw But I did want to talk about what we did yesterday, and that was going to be that Indiana-Iowa game in this matchup that I think is going to be one of the most interesting for this Big Ten slate of games. And it's cool to see these conference games right away. I know that some people don't necessarily like it, but I think it's going to be fun, and I think it's going to be a really solid game between Indiana and Iowa. And I know the love has been going to the Hoosiers here. And look, I don't blame you if that's a side you were looking, especially if you were getting three and a half or above, because you have Michael Penix back in the mix. Although he has had three season-ending injuries with the Hoosiers, you have a great defense that could be one of the best in the conference. They limited opponents to just over 20 points per game. They led the conference in interceptions, rushed the quarterback a ton. Plus, there's really only one weakness, and this is kind of why I'm gravitating toward Iowa a little bit. It's that the secondary, while they were insanely good, they did allow the 10th most passing yards in the Big Ten. So that's why I think I'd be a little bit hesitant, or even maybe not hesitant, I'd be more so to think that, hey, if Petrus, quarterback for Iowa, could relatively better than he did last year, maybe he could do it passing against this Indiana defense. It's not to say that he will, because the most important factor of this matchup, to me, comes in the running game. And I give the advantage to Iowa there with Tyler Goodson, who could be a very solid back this season and really throughout the country, could be one of the top-tier running backs. And Last year, Indiana had some concerns with their running game. Now, they're returning four offensive linemen, and that's fine. The offensive line was solid last year, too. There was no denying that. But they didn't have a prolific back to find those holes, to find those gaps. They were limited to about four yards per carry. Only rushed for, I think, about over 170 rushing yards once last season at a slower pace. Big Ten type of game against a solid defense, what we're assuming is going to be solid once again for Iowa. You can imagine they're going to have to need to rely on that run game is Indiana. So uh, my initial thought was to lean with the Hawkeyes here. And I didn't really want to have that much faith in doing it over the three and a half or even more so because it's just an ugly number with two teams that are neck and neck. But for the fact that it came down to three, for the fact that it's a home opener at home for Iowa, I think you give the advantage to this Hawkeyes team. So that's the play that I did roll with with Iowa minus three. We talked about that yesterday. We'll recap it a little bit later on in the show for anyone who missed it. But not only did I play that, the only other play I've done thus far in college football revolves UCF, or uh, USC, excuse me, UCF playing tonight. And that game in a weather delay, by the way, really quick, uh, between Boise State and UCF. But USC and San Jose State is a game that intrigued me on Saturday, 4 p.m. Central Time kickoff. Uh, USC open as a 16 and a half point favorite. The total open 57 and a half, and that's where I'm looking. That total that's gone from 57 and a half up to 59 and a half. I got a 59 in the spot. And I took the over for this game, because look, San Jose State, we talked about him with Kenny White last week. This is an offense that was really good last year and showed to be the same in week one. Yes, whatever, it was against Southern Utah, I understand, in week zero, but they still racked up 45 points, albeit 38 of them in the first half. But look, Nick Starkles, their quarterback, he has experience in tougher games against more legit opponents, so he shouldn't necessarily be phased in this game. Plus, when you look at the offense for USC, they're going to have a studly passing game. you got Keaton Slovis in his third year as a starter for the Trojans, so he has a familiarity there. He knows the offense, and it's not like San Jose State has a great defense to write home about. They just had you know, a weaker opponent in southern Utah for week zero. That limited them to 14 points. So I have no doubt that USC is going to be able to produce points, and San Jose State's offense should be good enough to contribute in that facet as well defensively for USC, they lost some starters. So I'm really curious to see how they look in Game 1. And that's what's also kind of fascinating about betting these totals is that Week 1, even probably up to Week 3, you could take advantage of some of these numbers early on because they don't get adjusted necessarily. If you have your preconceived notion... Whether it's a team's offense, a team's defense, you can hammer those totals even more so than spreads. You can hammer those totals early on before they get consistently adjusted because, hey, maybe it was a fluky game. Maybe penalties went their way. Turnovers went their way. Maybe it was because of their opponent, whatever it may be. A good tip to do is just have your mindset about where you think this offense or where you think this defense for each respective team should be. And know that when you're handicapping it on a game-to-game basis so you can base that off of where the total is, where the total has moved. And we expected San Jose State to have a good offense. We saw that happen in Week 0 against Southern Utah. Even though it's Southern Utah, they still racked up 45 total points. USC were expecting to still have a solid offense, and even if it's not going to be great in their own conference, expect them to be great against San Jose State, and that sentiment has been reflected in the line movement. Again, the total open 57.5 has gotten up to even 60 in some spots. But I found the 59. It was there earlier at Bet Rivers. Might be 59.5. If you're doing 59, so you could have the security to push, Uh, you're only paying about 8, 9 cents more. But over 59 is the other play I did between San Jose State and USC, thinking there will be plenty of points scored in that matchup. All right, speaking of college football, though, we're waiting to get Amal shot on the horn, but I did just want to preface another matchup. Like we said, Ohio State and Minnesota. I know we've talked about this one a few times throughout the show this past week, but just wanted to share my thoughts because, of course, we're going to be focusing on Amal's thoughts for this game, his alma mater being the Buckeyes of Ohio State. But this game is just very intriguing for many reasons. Same thing with Indiana and Iowa. Same thing with Penn State and Wisconsin. It's a week one opener with conference opponents. And more so, it's what Minnesota team are we going to be getting? And you don't want to fully judge it in week one. You don't want to fully judge it against a studly team in Ohio State. But if we see a Minnesota team like we did two years ago, there's a reason why this line has been moving in favor of them at some spots. It's because offensively they should be able to keep up. But what are they going to be able to do defensively? That is the big question. And that's where I'll start off asking our main man, Amal Shaw, who you can follow on Twitter at Shaw one and you can listen to him Monday through Friday, co-host of The Nuts with Mike Palm right here on VEASAN. All right, Amal, I know we touched this game the last time we had you on, but there's been some line movement, and I'm sure you have potentially altered your thoughts in some kind of capacity, whether it's with the spread or the total. But at Bet Rivers, Ohio State's lane, two touchdowns. We're seeing the total at 62. The under has been getting some love and slight amount of love toward Minnesota, depending on where you shop. What is your final stance heading into tonight for this game between your alma mater and the Minnesota Gophers?
3: Yeah, I like, I like Ohio State. I just took the Buckeyes uh, lane 14. You didn't get the best of it at 13 and a half. But, you know, it's the difference between, unfortunately, a win and a push. Here's the thing, though. People get so scared off on the numbers. In the NFL, it's justified. In college, I don't worry about it quite as much. And as I say that, Danny, I'm sure the game will land 14. But uh, in this match, I think the Buckeyes, uh, they're just a better team. You know, Minnesota has gotten a lot of love from what they did a couple of years ago in 2019. But remember last year, they were 3-4, and four, got housed by Michigan at home, got destroyed by Iowa at home. Uh, they did play competitively against Wisconsin. Remember, that's where the uh, – field, Paul Bunyan's act. So that's always a competitive matchup. Uh, but when you look at it, to me, uh, Ohio State is head and shoulders above their competition here. It, they have arguably the best offensive line in college football and the best wide receiving core. The question mark with them is the defense and the past secondary. Minnesota is not the type of team that can take advantage of that, in my opinion. And they run the ball effectively, but the Buckeyes were a top 10 run defense last year. So we'll see if they can continue that this year.
2: What do you imagine to see out of C.J. Stroud tonight? I mean, certainly laying two touchdowns on the road in your debut is tough, but if you're as good of a quarterback as we're assuming he is, that's why you end up at the starting spot as Ohio State, one of the favorites to win Heisman. So uh, what do you envision him performing like tonight and then the remainder of the season, I suppose?
3: You know, I think he's going to be very effective. I'm not too concerned about him in this particular matchup simply because uh, they have so much talent around him. I think you'll see some short intermediate passes early on before they take a deep shot. He's got a tremendous arm. He's a guy that can really put the ball anywhere. And I think there's always a certain amount of skepticism anytime you have a new quarterback. But, Danny, we do this every year with Alabama. We just assume next man up is going to be you know, a first-round pick, when in reality that's not true for any team or any, co- any college ever. I mean, there's a lot of good talent that they bring in. But, you know, look, he's got enough talent around him. He doesn't have to be great initially. He just has to be efficient, put the ball in the right spots, and let the guys around him make plays.
2: All right, all let's look forward to tomorrow. What could be a very interesting matchup and pretty neck and neck is North Carolina and Virginia Tech. <laughs> North Carolina certainly has a, a lot of hype surrounding this squad with Howell back in the mix. We talk about Heisman hopefuls. He certainly could be one of them. And the Tar Heels, a six-point favorite in their week one opener on the road against Virginia Tech with a total at 64. This seems like it could maybe be a little bit dangerous of a game for the Tar Heels, but it's one they should win. I would
3: agree with you. Look, going into Lane Stadium is never easy. But again, Lane Stadium is not what it once was. And I think that's where the advantage comes in for North Carolina in this game. You've got an experienced quarterback in Sam Howell under center. I think they should be just fine. And to me, if there's any area you ever want to lose on a team, it's at the running back position. That's probably one of the easiest to, I don't want to say any are easy, but probably the most comfortable in terms of replacing guys. So if you're North Carolina, you feel pretty good about where you're at right now. Uh, in terms of with the talent, especially in that offensive line, they should be able to flourish. On the flip side, I have some question marks about Virginia Tech offensively in terms of who's going to be getting the start. And then on top of that, losing Herbert to the draft, that's a big blow. This guy was a real catalyst for their offense. I just don't know if they're going to be able to stay within the number. And if North Carolina's defense has somewhat of a pulse, they should be able to get it done here on the road in this matchup.
2: All right, let's move back to the Big Ten of all. Let's talk Michigan State at Northwestern. Now, of course, in the state of Illinois, you can't legally bet on the in-state schools just yet, but I still wanted to get your perspective for anybody else who can because this one is 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 kind of, I, I don't know. I mean, Northwestern, to me, is a team that's going to see huge regression from last season. To replicate what they did defensively would be very impressive and probably impossible. Maybe not impossible. I still think their defense will be the strong suit of their game, but offensively I think is going to be a reason why they won't have the same success. We see them laying three in the hook. At home against Michigan State, total at 46. It's probably going to be a slow, ugly, Big Ten type of game. Can Michigan State hang in this one? It's not like the Spartans are at the point where Mel Tucker needs them to be, but they were pretty competitive in his first season with the squad.
3: Yeah, not, not an overwhelming record in terms of going 2-5 and five last year for Sparty. Uh, they did have a two-week stretch between Iowa and Indiana where they got dusted, but to me the one thing that I would say is when you look at Northwestern, they, they lost a ton of talent. Fifteen starters are gone from last year's team. Uh, it's going to be tough. Hunter Johnson, the Clemson transfer, are going to get the start in this one. I, I, I'm with you. I don't know if defensively they can do what they've done in the past, but I'll tell you, Patrick shield seems to be at his best when they're underestimated, and I think it could be a successful campaign here for Northwestern in the first game. Michigan State's going to be starting Anthony Russo in all likelihood, the former Temple uh, quarterback who transferred in. I, I'll tell you what, Danny, to me, that is not a good sign. When you've got a quarterback like him starting, I'm not a big fan of his. Let's see what he's able to do. Um, I have a lot of question marks in terms of his ability. I didn't think he was anything special at Temple. And now in the Big Ten against more fierce competition, let's see how he's able to step up.
2: How, how do you look to handicap some of these totals throughout the Big Ten? Again, like this could be one of those ugly, stereotypical Big Ten games, and especially in Week 1, is this a conference that you think, you know, unless you're in Ohio State, unless you're a team like Minnesota, if we can assume they have a better offense, these offenses maybe are going to take a little bit to get acclimated once again. Do you look toward betting more unders in the first week, or is it kind of a wait-and-see approach?
3: Yeah, a lot of people play unders because the offenses tend to be a little bit slower in terms of catching up to the defenses. But remember one thing. A lot of these teams nowadays, the quarterbacks are a little bit more efficient through high school, going into college. They're running and practicing with these wide receivers so often. But I get why people are taking the unders early on, and I would lean towards that. I'm not really playing a lot of totals. The only one that really jumped out to me was the Alabama-Miami one. And it's not because it's week one. It's more of the fact that I think Alabama's going to have a defense that's not quite on par with 2011. But one of the outside of that defense, which is the greatest defense I've ever seen, um, it, it's going to be one of Nick Saban's top defenses. They bring in Henry Toa Toa from Tennessee. So that's why I like that game under. And I, I'm not sure about Miami. On the flip side, Alabama's offense got a lot of question marks in terms of the offensive line. But in, in this matchup with Northwestern, you know, a lot of people are assuming because uh, it's Northwestern's Michigan State, 45, a low number. You know, I can see people playing it under, but I just don't want to get too heavily involved in these totals early on. I want to see how these teams perform.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there, too. I think betting it under that low, while it may be the right move, especially in the Big Ten with these two teams, kind of tough to do in Week 1 because while we can make the argument that, hey, maybe it might be slower pace because some of these offenses aren't, kind of in the right mix. I mean, the defenses also are working out some rust and could be liable to letting up a bunch of big opportunities. So I'm kind of with you. I think it's a wait-and-see approach with some of these Big Ten totals. Uh, Amal, we're getting up against it in this segment. Is it cool if we keep it for one more, and I'll get your thoughts on Georgia and Clemson? I know you got some uh, strong uh, plays on that one potentially.
3: Uh, No, it's not okay. But just for you all, stick around. I just always (laughs) want to say so to somebody when they ask me that. You know, I just always want to say that. But, yeah, absolutely.
2: (laughs) All right, Amal, we'll keep you around, my friend. We'll talk Georgia and Clemson, and then if we have some time, want to get your thoughts on the Fighting Irish taking on Florida State, Lane 7 and the Hook. So stick around, Amal Shaw. You know, we had to beg him, but he's sticking with us, folks. So uh, be sure to get more thoughts on his college football plays. Furthermore, in the show, we'll still talk some Major League Baseball. And then to end things out, I'll kind of recap some of the plays I've had in the NFL. There's some season win totals. We've got about four or five of them, and we'll look at their Week 1 opponents next. Get the most out of all odds with Bet Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams. Only at your hometown sports book and to make the most of your experience and to make it more rewarding, remember that Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports Instant payouts and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only, must be 21 or older. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts. Check them out, batrivers.com. All righty, back at it. It is rush hour here on the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, and still with us, holding him against his will, is Amal Shaw out in the West Coast in Las Vegas, handicapping some Week One college football. All right, Amal, let's pick it up where we left off. Let's talk Georgia and Clemson. What's arguably going to be the most exciting game of the weekend. The line is now down to three in favor of Clemson. Total at 51. I've heard both sides, and you know, people see that three points that you could take with this Bulldogs team and think it's a steal, even the three and a hook. But more recently, a lot of people that we've had on, like laying the three with Clemson, Brad Powers, Matt Humans included in that company who we've had on the show. Uh, I don't know if you have anything officially, but which way would you be kind of leaning toward, whether it's with the total or the spread for this one?
3: I I would be looking at the side of Clemson. Now, let me say this. I would have been taking Georgia in this game had the Bulldogs been healthy. Tyreek Smith, the West Virginia transfer, out. Uh, The Clemson uh, secondary player who transferred into Georgia, name eluding me right now, he's out with an injury. You also have uh, uh, Gilbert, who's not with the team, one of the top tight ends in America, the transfer of MLSU, Eric Gilbert. Dwayne Washington, who was a stud freshman tight end, out with an injury for a while for them. Uh, George Pickens, their top wide receiver, out with an ACL. Uh, He's potentially going to return late November. That remains to be seen. So when you lose that much talent in a matchup like this, it's a big blow. So I can see why these guys are all on Clemson and I think it's a great opportunity. And the other thing is when you look at Clemson defensively, 10 starters back, uh, that'll help immensely. So that'll be critical. But I want to see how the Clemson offensive line can perform. They're going to face a stout Georgia defensive line. So it'll be, uh, we'll get an idea pretty quickly how this one's going to play.
2: Yeah, like you kind of mentioned, I mean, a lot of injuries potentially for this game, which is kind of a bummer, but hey, that's going to happen from time to time. Hopefully we still get a good matchup, and it's looking like it's going to be, once again, that line down to three in favor of Clemson with a total of about 51 uh, Amal, another good game of the weekend, which could probably be put right up there, maybe one and two. How about Penn State and Wisconsin? Now, you know, a lot of people view these teams as pretty even, but at the same time, at home, week one for Wisconsin votes to have a good advantage for them potentially, and they're a five-and-a-half point favorite. I personally think Wisconsin does get the job done, but I'm not so enthused to go bet that with the number at five-and-a-half. Five in the hook seems about right. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I would agree with you, Danny. Do you have a total there on that one, you said?
2: Uh, The total for this game, we were seeing it at about, let me pull up the number really quick. Fifty and a half is where we see it right now.
3: Yeah, I would look towards the under on this one. These are two teams that were elite defensively last year. You look at uh, Wisconsin, they were a top ten total defense, incredible against the run, top five. They've got eight starters back on defense. I love, absolutely love Jim Leonard, their defense coordinator. I think in 2022, you're going to see him as a head coach elsewhere. Penn State was outstanding on defense. They didn't have a great year, but they were also a top-20 team defensively. I'm not a big Sean Clifford guy, the Penn State quarterback. They're going to have to see who steps up at the running game. Is it going to be Noah Kane? Is it going to be Kayvon Lee, who had a pretty good year last year, uh, ran for almost uh, 500 yards, but he's got to be more consistent. And the other thing is, they've got a good playmaker on the outside, Jahan Dotson but they've got to utilize him better. And I think that's what hurts Penn State. They haven't utilized their athletes as well as they should. For Wisconsin, Graham Mertz has got to play well. You know, he got off to that fast start in that game against Illinois, and everyone thought they found a quarterback. They go to Ann Arbor, and they thump the Wolverines. But after that, Wisconsin hit the skid. They're going to have to bounce back. But this defense is extremely solid. And, Danny, when you look at them last year and their losses, uh, I mean, they only gave up uh, 28 to Iowa. But the other two games, I remember they were somewhere in the low teens. Uh, this team is very good defensively. I think it's going to be a challenge for Penn State to move the football. I would look under 50 and a half here. This game, to me, I'm more confident in playing the under just because you have a ton of talent coming back on defense. And both teams that were top 20 defenses in college football last year.
2: I'm all 15 seconds just because I said we were going to hit it. Notre Dame, Florida State fighting Irish Lane, 7 and a half. Any thoughts here?
3: Yeah, I'm hoping both teams somehow lose the game. Uh, but since that can't happen, I would, I would look in towards Florida State plus seven and a hook here. I'm not buying either team right now, though, but uh, Jack Cohen, I was not a fan of his in Wisconsin, still not a fan, fan of his in South Bend.
2: Alrighty, looking to take in the seven and a hook with Florida State, but overall, probably one of those games, like you said. Don't want any of those guys to win, but we'll still bet it and watch it in them all. Thanks, as always, for helping us handicap this slate for week one. Looking forward to catching up next week, my friend. Anytime, Danny. Thank you. There he is, co-host of the Nuts, Amal Shah. Coming up next, we are talking baseball, folks. A few games to look forward to on tonight's card. Stick around. Now that the NFL Preseason Guide is available now, or excuse me, rather, now that the NFL Preseason has kicked off and the Pro Football Betting Guide is out now, it's the perfect time to huddle up with it. It's only $19.99. Our experts are providing you profiles of every single team, along with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, you get best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. You can sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Once again, that's vsi slash subscribe. Welcome back to VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, and the show is Rush Hour. As always, we are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook here in Des Plaines, Illinois. We've been talking college football to get things kicked off, but let's transition to the diamond. Talk some baseball. We are getting closer to the postseason implications on the line. Maybe not as much with these you know, three sets of games that we're going over, but still presents some betting opportunities. So let's see if there are any throughout these slate of games. And let's start here in Chicago. The Cubbies taking on the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. I can't just call the Pirates lowly because, you know, the Cubs are pretty lowly at this point. But look, the Cubs just won back-to-back against the Twins. Pirates just lost back-to-back against the White Sox. In this matchup, Chicago opened up minus 145, but they've dropped. Now at Bet Rivers, they're laying minus 136. Pittsburgh catching plus 120. Total sitting at about 8.5. You're getting Mitch Keller taking the bump for Pittsburgh. The righty is 4-10 this season with a 6.75 ERA. 5.08 5.08 XFIP, and a whip of 1.81. Just atrocious all throughout for Keller. Another righty who has taken the bump for the Cubbies is Keegan Thompson. He's 3-3, 3.09 ERA, but the true indicator, which is the XFIP, shows what he really should be at, which is 4.75, which certainly is concerning, and a higher whip of 1.41. Now, looking at Keegan Thompson uh, he's pitched a little bit better on the road. Now, he does have a 1.44 ERA at home, but he's got a 4.66 XFIP at home, and XFIP's a little bit better on the road for Thompson. Keller on the other side, he's got a 4.40 ERA on the road, 4.63 XFIP on the road, and in the month of August, he had an XFIP of 5.05. Now, he does slightly pitch better on the road, but again, in August, he really struggled. So Keller actually has faced the Cubs in consecutive starts in April. So in those two games, when eight innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, racked up 11 strikeouts. The Pirates ended up splitting both those games that Keller was pitching. And his most recent outing was not great, honestly. He gave up seven earned runs against the Cardinals in his most recent outing. Now Thompson has faced Pittsburgh twice. That was both in May. However, that is when he was utilized as a reliever. Went 4.2 innings pitch, two hits, no earned runs. Cubs won both, but again, he was a reliever. You're looking to handicap this more so. First of all, where's the movement gone? The movement's gone toward Pittsburgh. However, the Cubs do hit better at home, 727 OPS, if you consider that somewhat good. But again, compared to how they're doing on the road, uh, that is better for the Cubbies. And they are coming off the two wins on the road against Minnesota. Maybe they're feeling a little bit of momentum with the camaraderie they have with this newly team. That's been put out on the field on a consistent basis. And, look, it's just impossible to want to back Pittsburgh, in my opinion. I get it if you want to do it for the value against another lowly team in Chicago, but the Pirates have hit worse on the road, 640 OPS, and against righty, 663 OPS. Look, totals at 8.5, you would think maybe the over could be a play considering both of these pitchers have been rocky, but both of these offenses have been rocky as well. So to me, I think I would have a slight lean toward the Cubs with the better number, if anything. But overall, there's too much ugliness, too much unreliability in this game for me to actually want to place my hard-earned money on it, so I'm staying away from that one, but would gravitate toward trusting the Cubs a little bit more so than the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, then let's move on to a game that could be a little bit more interesting. Let's talk Braves and Rockies. Atlanta opened up minus 152 in this spot, just barely up to minus 155. If you want to lay the run line, it's minus 110. And we get that high total. It's Coorsfield, baby. 13 is the total. It opened at 12 and a half, so the overs getting a little bit of love. Now the Braves just got swept in three games against the Dodgers. Tough series for Atlanta. Rockies just lost 2 out of 3 on the road against Texas. Colorado is really tough to bet on the road. But at home, they are incredible. 840 OPS-wise at home have been very profitable. You're getting the plus 133 value with them as a dog if you trust Chi-Chi Gonzalez and company. But Gonzalez has a 6.08 ERA and an XVIP of 4.97. And specifically at home, he has an ERA of 5.60 and a 5.32 XVIP. So even though the Rockies may have enough offense, Gonzalez may not be able to kind of be relied upon in this game against the Braves offense. That does hit a little bit worse on the road, 735 OPS, however better against righties with an OPS of 752. Tukey uh, Tucson, he's taking the bump, 3-2, 3.60 ERA with an XFIP of 4.22. The Braves have won the last five times he has pitched, and he is a better pitcher on the road, 2.35 ERA and a 3.62 XFIP. I'd probably look, you know, it's the easy answer, but I'd lean a little bit more toward Atlanta. Maybe you could look at kind of a team total aspect for the Braves as well if you think it's just going to be higher scoring all around. But you kind of trust the offense of Atlanta, and, you know, you don't trust the pitching as much from Colorado. So 7.5 is the total run. So I, that's ridiculously high. So honestly, no, I probably wouldn't do that. I guess i do the combined runs at that point, but you figure they'd have to get over that to get to that point. But to me, this is probably just Atlanta or nothing at the end of the day. It's kind of an ugly matchup, and betting against the Rockies at home has not been a profitable venture. But Atlanta needs a win, and it could come tonight against Chi-Chi Gonzalez. And then pretty much, yeah, those are the two games that stuck out the most. We can briefly hit the Indians and Royals. Nothing too exciting here because the line wasn't put out originally in the morning. But you're getting Tristan McKenzie and Mike Miner here. And look, Minor at home has a 5.28 ERA. This game's virtually a pick 'em. Total sitting at about eight and a half. The Indians have won two straight at Kansas City. They beat them last night five to three, but do you trust Tristan McKenzie? McKenzie is a lot worse on the road with an XFIP, a 4.85, and a 5.21 ERA. However, he has gone up against Kansas City three times. He started two of those games, and overall, he's gone 15.2 innings pitch, allowed just five hits and one earned run, 19 strikeouts, only a 100 batting average has this Indians team had, or excuse me, has this Royals team had against McKenzie in those three outings. So uh, they're 2-1 against him when McKenzie is pitching for the Indians, which is kind of funny. uh, Because, look, the Indians don't have an offense, and it's not like McKenzie's been great, but against the Royals he has. Minor for the Royals has a 4.04 XFIP at home, so not too shabby compared to his overall XFIP. Uh, there you are 0-2 being the Royals when Minor has started against the Indians. You get a minus-107 as opposed to the Royals minus-110 if you think the Indians can make it three in a row. If you're going against, or if you're going with the rhythm of what we've seen historically this season, then the Indians may be your bet. Fortunately, no action in baseball for me tonight, though. Kind of an ugly slate, but I'll give you some bets for the upcoming NFL season, and we'll recap some of my college football Week 1 bets next. Get the most out of all odds with Fed Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Pet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only, must be 21 or older, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program, daily hometown discount, so check them out, PetRivers.com. Alrighty, righty, final segment here on a Thursday evening on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I am Danny Burke, your host, and the show is Rush Hour. We didn't get you any baseball bets tonight, unfortunately, but uh, let me make up for that by giving you some NFL action. And you may have heard these from the past month, two months, whatever it may be, We're getting close to the start of the season, so I wanted to recap at least the season win total bets that I have placed in terms of the NFL. And let's start with the one I did originally, the Cincinnati Bengals. Six and a half wins is the total that's been consistently set at, and when I placed it, I went under, and I laid minus 115 with the Bengals. The under has become more and more of a favorite throughout these weeks, getting us closer to the start of the season. The biggest thing for me with the Bengals, what did they do to improve last season defensively? They were awful against the run, not good against the pass. Up front, I don't think they did anything that boasts any confidence to thinking they can be a top-half defensive team in DVOA. And more so, do we trust Zach Taylor? Can we assume that Joe Burrow can come back from that gruesome injury and be on the path that he was already set out on? Because he was looking pretty good. But with this offensive line that, yes, they did invest in, but did they invest in it enough? Is it going to do enough to protect him? Is there something mentally that could make him timid? There's so many outlying factors that could be contributed to this Bengals team that even before looking at the schedule makes me nervous to bet them. But when we do look at the schedule like we typically do, we like to separate it into winnable, losable, and toss-up games. But when I already know the direction I wanted to go in with this team being under, then I go, okay, well, what are the games that could screw my bet and the games they could win? and would put them over, you know, six and a half wins. The potential winning games for Cincinnati, week four versus Jacksonville. Now, at least you get the Jags at home. We'll see how Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, and company are looking at that point. But it's a good home game, and potentially the first one they could win as they're starting off against the Vikings, then on the road against the Bears and the Steelers. Getting the Jags at home, they might go three weeks without a win, but they probably will get one against Jacksonville. Uh, Week 5, well, originally I said Week 5. These are my notes from a little back because we didn't know what was happening with Aaron Rodgers. So the Green Bay game is not a winnable game anymore. But you move on to Week 6 at Detroit. The Lions are arguably going to be one of the worst teams in the National Football League. So that certainly could be a winnable game. Uh, Week 8 on the road against the Jets. How will Zach Wilson be looking as of that point? against the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, look, Tony Romo, if you ask him, he's going he's gonna to bet differently on this one and think the Jets and Zach Wilson are going to be going all the way. But no, nevertheless, that's a game that potentially the Bengals could have an advantage in. Uh, week 11 at Las Vegas. Now, I actually give the slight advantage to the Raiders in this game, but what you could make the case for with Cincinnati is this defense for Las Vegas probably going to be bad again, and it's after their bye week. Week 12 versus the Steelers. Now maybe he's split with the Steelers in the division. I'm not too high on Pittsburgh. We'll see if they can improve offensively, especially with that ground game, if Big Ben can stay healthy. The offense is a big question for me with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So maybe they split with the Steelers. And then week 18 on the road against the Browns. Who knows if Cleveland is going to be playing their starters? What if they have the division solidified? What if they have their playoff spot solidified and wrapped up? It could just be a blowaway game for Cleveland. So that's why you have to also consider that at the end of the season. So at the end of the day, got about one, two, three, four, five, six at most games that I think they could be winnable. And I don't even think they're going to win all of those six games. So I think it's a great spot to look under six and a half wins for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, even just getting closer into the future, if we want to handicap that game one uh, with Minnesota and Cincinnati, the Vikings opened up as a three point favorite on the road. They've ticked up now to lane three and a half, despite losing their tight end Irv Smith. Unfortunate news for Minnesota. They're also minus 186 on the money line, though, and the Bengals catching plus 150 with a total at 48. That has seen some love to the under from 48 and a half down to 48. Don't like laying the three and a hook, per se, with Minnesota week one on the road, but Minnesota is for sure the better team. Only side I would trust at this point, though. uh, Nothing worth the play right now. We'll see where this line alters, if at all, as we get closer to this week one matchup. Let's go to another season win total bet that I have, and look, this is a popular one. It's nothing outlandish by any stretch of the imagination, but let's talk Tampa Bay Bucks, and let's talk their win total at 11 and a half. I played the over when it was that 125 was this number. Look, it's hard to find more than five losses on the schedule for this Tampa Bay team that is returning all 22 starters from the Super Bowl, presumably getting a healthier Tom Brady who's not going to be dealing with the injury to his knee. Uh, with this one, since I'm looking to bet over, what are the losable games for Tampa Bay? Week 3 on the road against the Rams. Week 4 on the road against New England. But realistically, more more put it that way because it's a revenge game for Brady. Could be played a little bit closer. At the end of the day, Brady's not losing that game. Week 8 on the road against the Saints. Maybe the Saints and Michael Thomas back. They're healthier. They're more in a rhythm. Jameis is looking good, and the defense is still solid. Week 10 at Washington. However, it is after the bye week for Tampa Bay. Tough test in the playoffs. Maybe that defense can prove to be really solid once again against Brady and company. But still have the advantage with uh, the Buccaneers. Week 12 then at Indianapolis, maybe the Colts have figured it out by that point, and Carson Wentz looks sufficient. But at the end of the day, Tampa Bay is going to at least get 12 wins. I don't think I see more than five losses on this schedule, and I've only put five as the losable games at that point. That's me not even thinking they lose all five of those. So over 11.5 wins with the Bucks minus 125. You want to look closer with them for Week 1. Tampa Bay hosting the Dallas Cowboys, minus 7.5 is what the Bucks are laying. It actually opened 7. The total opened 52.5. That's come down to 51.5. The uncertainty about Dak Prescott could probably be attributed to the line movement, and the public's going to be all over Tampa Bay, even though everybody likes to go for America's team. Not everybody. We like to kind of give them crap. But <laughs> at the end of the day, Tampa Bay is a better team They'll win this game. Perfect teaser opportunity, potentially, of course, uh, from 7.5, putting them down and maybe pairing them with another team is how I would look to handicap that matchup. Let's go to another team, though, where I am looking to bet the under. That is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, look, Urban Meyer, yes, best of luck and everything. Trevor Lawrence looked okay in his last preseason game. You lose Travis Etienne, but you still have Robinson, which should be okay. Aside from that, is there anything that gives you hope for this team? Is the defense going to be good? Probably not. The rest of the offense going to be okay? Maybe you have a little bit of hope, but it's probably not going to be a steady season for Urban in year one. Uh, winnable games, though. What are the games that could kind of lose this bet for me? Week one at Houston, certainly. Week two versus Denver. Denver's an anomaly team. I think they're better, but getting Denver at home helps. Week four on the road against Cincinnati. Week 15 versus Houston. Then week 16 are on the road against the Jets. Week 18 versus the Colts, if the Colts are resting players as of that point, but they're probably coming down to the wire with the Titans and will need to win that game. So again, I don't see the Jags getting over six and a half wins. I think it's going to be a slow start to the Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence campaign. But maybe they get things kicked off in week one with their matchup. Uh, The Texans catching three and a half in this game. Totals at about 44 and a half. Tyrod Taylor looking to be the starting quarterback. So Jacksonville here getting the love because it opened as a pick And now the Jags laying three and the hook could be a good spot for Jacksonville to get Urban Meyer his first win in the NFL. Let's go with another team. I'm going with the over. we got a couple minutes left. We'll go through it pretty swiftly. But the Cleveland Browns have been a popular pick, and I'm riding that train as well. Over 10.5 wins, minus 105. You pick up Greg Newsome in the draft. You pick up Owasua Koromoa as well to help that defense. Jadavian Clowney to fill the trenches defensively. You need the secondary to get better, and if they can... This will be the most talented team in the NFL and potentially one of the best. Odell Beckham Jr. returns healthy. You have Jarvis Landry still, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Baker Mayfield look to take strides forward. This past season, I think he only gets better. And you have a competent head coach in Kevin Stefanski. Now, again, their tough games are pretty much literally all their away games, all their road games aside from Cincinnati. And they're not going to lose all those road games, but really those are the only ones I'm actually thinking are the toughest, and week one at Kansas City starts it out for sure. And then the other toughest one is you know, week five at Los Angeles against the Chargers, New England week 10, and week 12 at Baltimore. I think they could handle Minnesota week four on the road. Week 16 at Green Bay certainly is going to be tough as well. But look, I think the Browns get over 10.5. I think they could win the AFC North, but it's going to be a tough start in week one. Uh, Kansas City open is a six-point favorite up to 6.5, probably not touching anything for that one. It'd be a teaser game for Kansas City. These guys met in the playoffs, and the Browns gave them a run for their money. Maybe the same comes alive for week one between those two teams. Finally, before we head out, how about the Washington football team? The latest addition to my season win total bets. I did over eight wins for Washington, minus 141. I like that I have the security of the push, and I like that this team is in the NFC East. Nine and eight makes sense to me with the amount of toss-up games they have, and the amount of defensive advantages they have, and more so, the concern is their offense. Yes, we know that, but you add in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who can provide enough offense, going up against poor defenses, to where even if the offense isn't that much better, it will do well enough compared to how their defense will be doing, which will be the reason they keep being in these games. Gibson Gibson's going to be looking good. Terry McLaurin is a stud, and again, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your quarterback, someone who could actually throw. But more importantly, you have a great defense in Washington, and a. Relatively favorable schedule considering the teams you get to play, which is the Giants, the Panthers, the Raiders. Uh, You get the Giants obviously twice, and obviously you get Philly and Dallas twice. And Dallas could win the division, that's fine, but the Eagles, everybody is low on as of this point. So I like that it's at 8, at 8.5, I probably wouldn't have bet it, but I was willing to lay minus 141 because the number was at 8, and that's what I rolled with with the Washington football team over 8 wins. So if you missed it, we're doing Washington over 8 wins for this upcoming season. Cleveland over 10.5 wins, minus 105. We're taking the under 6.5 win total with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bucks over 11.5 wins. And the Bengals under 6.5 wins for the NFL. But if you're looking for some action this weekend in college football, in case you missed it, we're going with the Iowa Hawkeyes minus 3 and San Jose State. USC over 59 for both of those Week 1 games. As always, best of luck if you tail with any of our action or just your own overall. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Rush Hour. Thanks to Amal Shaw for hopping on. Enjoy Week 1 tonight. Ohio State, Minnesota, going to be fun. We'll catch up again tomorrow from all of us here at Beeson. Until then, take care. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented.
1: Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated.